My, my, I've got to catch my breath just a minute. That's a great song. Thank you, Brother Terry. That's good. Thank you for worshiping this morning. Thank you, choir, and thank all of you for singing. And I pray the Lord to be honored. I believe he has, and I pray that our worship will be accepted to him today. And so uh, thank you so much for participating in worship. Well, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to go back to the book of Jude. Only one chapter in this book. The book of Jude, we're going to look at uh, verses, uh, let's look at verse 12 through 17. Verses 12 uh, through 17. I want to share with you about uh, cosmetic Christians. We talked about this last Sunday. This, I guess, could be a part two, but this is cosmetic Christians. Their detections their destruction, their detection, and their destruction. And we'll look at Jude chapter, well, just one chapter, verses 12 through verse 17. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to come into your presence to worship you. And now, Father, we've had a great time singing, uh, praying, and now we're opening your word. And so, Father, we pray that we'll take this part also very seriously this morning and realize how serious it is Lord to have a relationship with you we've been singing about heaven we've been singing about you coming again and and all of that is true and that's going to take place we even sang when we all get to heaven we pray Lord that will be evident Lord that every person here today will be in heaven if not father I pray if they've never been saved that they'll ask you to forgive them come into their life by faith Trust Jesus and only him for their salvation. Turning from sin, turn into a person by the name of Jesus. Asking him to forgive them. Come into their life and save them. And you tell us in your word that whoever calls on your name, Lord, uh, will be saved. And so we pray, Lord, that'll take place today. Thank you. Speak to our hearts. Give me the words to say, the right spirit to say them in. Now be guided and led by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Jude, chapter 1, only one chapter, verse 12, if you would look at these words. Sound familiar? If you were not here, we're dealing with uh, uh, apostates in the church. Those who have known the word of God, have received the word of God, but have turned from the word of God. They have pretended cosmetic. They've covered themselves where they appear that they belong to Christ, but deep down inside, they've rejected his word, not only his Savior, but his word in so many areas. Jude, verse 12. These are spots, and we'll talk about that, in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves with fear, clouds that are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the root. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam. Now, he lived during the period of Adam, uh, uh, the period of Noah. Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand 
of his saints, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed. It simply means God's not in their life. They're ungodly. All their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons and admirations because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look this morning about cosmetic Christian, their detection and their destruction. Now, for weeks now, we've, we've been studying this book. It's, it's a very small book, only 25 verses. But this book warned the church then, and it warns us today about what's called an apostate. And I hope you that have been here for some time know what an apostate is. The person first turns from the Word of God. Secondly, the apostate not only turns from the Word of God, but the apostate perverts the grace of God uh, into sensuality. And then third, denies the Lord Jesus Christ. God's Word says that they have crept. These that are identified or detected are have crept or they've slipped into the fellowship. Not only this church, but uh, all fellowships. You'll have an apostate or several apostates, perhaps. Uh, and, and the main task of this apostate or these apostates is to destroy the biblical foundation of the Word of God. They want to destroy the Word of God, make it no avail, uh, the Word of God. They're, they're cosmetic Christians. They disguise themselves to be something that they're really not. So thus the sermon, cosmetic Christians, their detection, there's a way you detect a cosmetic Christian. We looked at three or four of these last week. We'll finish them up this week, and then we're going to look at their destruction. So they've disguised themselves, something that they're really not, but they're easily detected. Verse 13 says that they, that they are their spots. That word spots translated reefs, like a reef that is under the water, and a ship comes by and it just rips that ship apart. They're, they can be detected by, uh, by their... Uh, they're not peacemakers, but they're peace breakers. Uh, an apostate wants to destroy the love and the fellowship of a church. They want to keep the church in confusion, a church in conflict. And so they're hidden under the surface of the water. You can't detect them. All of a sudden, the church just blows up. And the reason it blows up is because there's some apostates at work trying to destroy the fellowship, the harmony of the church, the love of the church. And so they lack peace in their life. They're peace breakers. They're not peacemakers. And then the Bible says they're clouds without rain. They're clouds without water. They're just blown along by the wind. They have the right appearance. They look like they have substance about them. But when it all comes down to it, they have no substance whatsoever. They, they have the right appearance, but they possess no substance. They, they manifest themselves as preachers teachers, um, uh, deacons, people in the pew. They look like they're going to have a lot of substance about them, but really they're just clouds without water. Can't squeeze anything out of them, you know? Then they're, they're detected. They have the, uh, 
the, the spot, the reef is detected that it has no peace. The cloud without water is detected because they have no productivity. They're just clouds without water. They, they appear like they are going to be a blessing, but all of a sudden there's no substance. And then they, they're like autumn trees. The scripture says there in verse 13, they're like autumn trees. They're without fruit. The Bible says they're uprooted. They're twice dead. Now, they, they have no fruit. So the question is, why is there no fruit? Because they're not connected to the vine. You're connected to the vine when you're saved. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do anything. And so the cosmetic Christian has no fruit because they're not connected to the vine. And so they're twice dead. They're spiritually dead. And you'll find in a few minutes they're going to be eaten. They're going to suffer eternal death in a lake of fire. They're dead spiritually. What do you do with something with a tree that's dead? Well, you just uh, you turn them up by the roots, and then you burn them. That's what Matthew 3.10 is speaking of. Matthew 3.10, And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into a lake of fire. They have no fruit. Now, what's the fruit, what's the proof of a Christian life? Well, the proof of a Christian life is fruit. Matthew 7, verse 16 says, You shall know them, what? By their fruit. Do men gather grapes and thorns or figs or thistles? So you're going to know Christians by what? By their fruit. People not bearing fruit of the Spirit, then uh, the Bible says that in verse 19 that these apostates have not the spirit within them. So you have the reefs, they're without peace. They're classified as, or they're described as reefs or spots. They have no peace. They're classified as empty clouds. They have no substance. They're classified as autumn trees. They have no fruit. And so today they're classified, look at verse 13, they're classified as wild waves. You notice that? Wild waves of the sea foam up their shame. And so they're classified as, as wild waves. They're detected because they have no purity. Listen, no purity in their life. Now, the point is, with wild waves, is that these apostates will expose themselves. They're, they're, they're like wild waves of the sea that, that leave all the filth and the shame of their innermost being on the shores of life for everyone to see. There's no purity. So a cosmetic Christian is easily detected by the lack of purity. There are wild waves. All of us are familiar. We've been to the beach before, and we know how the waves come in. And, you know, when you go out into the ocean, when you get out and everything's calm in the ocean, the water's real pure and it looks real clean. However, when the storms come and the winds blow, the hurricanes begin to, to bring their path, then this ocean begins to churn. And then when it churns, it brings up everything from the bottom. All the filth and all the debris comes up from the bottom. They bring up all the filth, all the debris from this ocean floor. And then you go out in the morning and it's deposited on the seashore for everyone to see. You see all the dead fish and all this yucky stuff and all this seaweed. And you see the sticks and you see all this stuff that was on the bottom. All of a sudden it's deposited for everyone to see. 
So the point is, a cosmetic Christian is just like the raging waves of the ocean. They can be detected because uh, of the lack of purity in their lives. Isaiah 57, jot that verse down. Verse 20 says this, But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And so this cosmetic Christian that's pretending to be a Christian, all of a sudden you'll see a lack of purity in their life, and it's thrown up on the ocean shore of their life for everyone to see. Friend, listen, there's a lot of turmoil in the heart of a cosmetic Christian because of all the mire and the filth that's in their life. There's a lot going on in their life. And so a cosmetic Christian has no moral restraint. And after a period of time, they're going to reveal their wicked sins that lay deep within their character. That's all going to come to to the top after a while. So don't forget, we talked about this at the very beginning weeks ago, that apostasy and sensual sin go together. Apostasy, turning from God, turning from God's word, Eventually, that will show itself in sensual sin. They go hand in hand. Now, there are many unbelievers today, those who have never trusted Christ, they live, they live a real good moral life. And, and that's a sad thing. There are going to be a lot of good people in heaven. I mean, in hell, they, they, they lived a good moral life, but not the apostate. Not the apostate. They're just not unbelievers, but they have rejected the word of God and they have turned from it, and it will show up in their life eventually by an impure life. They've opened their lives to all sorts of immoral sins, and Jude says it's to their shame. It's to their shame. They, they've changed the grace of God to immorality, verse 13. He, he, he mentions Sodom and Gomorrah as an example to those who live immorally. They, they doubt. Uh, the apostate uh, begins to sow filth to their own flesh, the Bible says. They're like raging, verse 13, uh, raging waves where this, they foam out their shame for all to see, the public to see. You know, I know people today, I know preachers today who stood behind pulpits. I know teachers that stood behind desks or teaching stands in a classroom. Uh, I, I know those who have known the Word of God but they've rejected the word of God. And because of that, preachers, teachers in churches, preachers behind pulpits, their lives have ended up in divorce, their lives have ended up in adultery, their lives have ended up, some have ended up in homosexuality, their lives have ended up in a lot of immoral things that we really don't even like to think about or want to think about. Because deep down, they rejected the word of God and it comes out. See, the sin of immorality and apostasy, don't forget, go hand in hand together. Sooner or later, the cosmetic Christian exposes themselves and the filth of their life washes up on the shore for everyone to see. That happens eventually. So number one, no peace, the reefs. No productivity, the empty clouds. No proof, no fruit, autumn trees. And then the wild waves, no purity. But notice notice in verse 13, 
They're also like wandering stars. Wandering stars from whom the the gloom of utter darkness or blackness. The utter darkness has been reserved forever. Bible calls them wandering stars. Wandering stars. Wandering. No purpose. No real purpose. Apostate. One who's turned from God, turned from God's word. No, no real purpose, no real direction in their lives. There's like a star that flashes for a while, and then God just darkens the existence of that star. They're like wandering stars. I can remember sitting outside, no doubt you've done this too, and when I was young, my dad and I, back there in Rockwood, you know, we, we had one little window air conditioner, and we'd go outside, it's a lot cooler outside, and we'd sit out in the yard, you know, in lawn chairs or gliders, we called them, and We'd look up at the stars, and my dad would show me the constellation. He'd show me the, the North Star, and he'd show me the Little Dipper, and he'd show me the, the Big Dipper. And all these stars were in their orbit. All these stars had their place. All these stars were, were, were just, uh, I mean, they were in the constellation. Then all of a sudden, we'd be sitting there, and they would be these, we called them shooting stars. Later, they were called falling stars. There was, either song, there was a song about falling stars put them in your pocket, save them for a rainy day. Y'all met, well, no, some of you may remember that song. But you had these shooting stars, and they'd come from this direction, they'd come from that direction, they'd come, and you, you'd say, man, that's a shooting star. And then we'd say, no, that's a, that's a falling star. They, they just go across the constellation. They have no meaning. They have no purpose. They're out of formation. And suddenly they just, they do what? They black out. Can't see them anymore. They're just blacked out. And see, God has placed all the stars across the heavens. And all these stars are in orbit. All these stars have a direction. All these stars have purpose. The point is, a cosmetic Christian, those that are faking it, are like these shooting stars. They like purpose and they like direction. And they're like a burned-out chunk of rock that's just hurled out into the darkness of life. So a cosmetic Christian has no purpose, no real purpose, no real direction, no plan. And they can be detected by their lack of purpose. Now, they don't, they don't like structure. Cosmetic Christians, uh, they don't like structure. They, they, don't like, um, they don't like continuity. They don't like uh, the uh, church covenant. or They don't like the articles of faith or... They don't like the uh, Baptist state, a statement of faith and belief. They, they don't want boundaries. They, they just, they want all the freedom they can have. They're just blazing stars for a while. Then they just plunge out to darkness. They try to fool everybody. And we've all seen them, really. They just, they're on blaze for a while, and they seem to have promise and purpose, and then they just fall out in spiritual darkness. You see, God works it out that these false preachers and false teachers, I mean, they, they really fall as quickly as they rise. They come up, they're ablaze, then all of a sudden they're extinguished. So cosmetic Christians, the apostate, detected, easily detected, no peace, no productivity, no proof, no purity, wandering stars, and then let's look just for a moment about how they're 
eternally destroyed. Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this, And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these sins, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that the ungodly among them of, of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration uh, because of advantage. So Jude warns of the coming judgment of these, uh, uh, when these cosmetic Christians, these apostates, will eventually be eternally doomed. Now think of that. Now there's a strange thing that takes place here that happens. Jude quotes the prophet Enoch. And why that's so strange, if you'll remember, Enoch walked with God. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God did what? God took him. Genesis 5, verse 25. Enoch lived in the days preceding the flood. He lived in the days preceding the flood. He foresaw that the coming of the Lord at the end of the age would be preceded by apostasy. That's why this is recorded in the book of Jude. Enoch saw before the flood would come that there would be apostasy. He warned of apostasy. He warned those that were turning from God. He warned those. And so the big, the big question by Bible scholars is how did Jude know about Enoch's prophecy? How did he know that? Because it's not mentioned anywhere in Scripture but in Jude. Let me tell you how he knew it. He knew it because Jude wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that neat? He jotted down something in Jude that no, has found no other place in the Bible and it was prophesied during the day of Noah. Enoch lived in the days of Noah. And Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 37, he said that the, that the days that would precede his coming would be what? Like the days of Noah. And so we have all this apostasy that we see this falling away, turning from God, turning from God's word. We have all of this apostasy. And in Enoch's day, <clears throat> you have... Three stages in the days of Noah. Let me give them to you right quick. I thought this was interesting. The three stages. You know, before Jesus comes back, it's going to be like the days of Noah. Here they are. Number one, the people were warned. We're living in a warning time right now. I'm warning today. I'm standing here behind the pulpit, and I'm saying if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you need to trust Jesus Christ because he's the way of salvation. He's coming back. There is a warning that judgment's coming in the days of Noah. There is a warning today for the apostate, for the cosmetic Christian, that judgment is coming. Stage one, judgment is coming in the days of Noah. Stage two, God removed his people from the earth, and he did what? He put them in an ark. Before when? Before the judgment. And so one day, God's going to remove his people. You know what's going to happen? You're going to hear a trumpet sound, beloved, and we're going to be snatched off of this old earth, and we're going to be with the Lord in the air. The, the warning time is now, but then there's coming a time when God's going to remove his people from the earth, 
uh, from the earth, and he's going to take them to heaven with him. Stage three, judgment fell on the earth. started raining. All of a sudden, judgment came. And those that turned from God experienced complete judgment and the wrath of God. You know what's going to happen? Same thing. The warning time is now. The rapture's coming. Then judgment's going to follow after a period of tribulation here on the earth. The Lord is coming. It's going to be the same when the Lord comes back. You're living in the days of warning. The Lord's coming. Someday the Lord's going to call out his church. That's the rapture. And then third, the Lord's going to come and he's going to judge everyone. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, he's coming to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, real quick, a couple of quick truths about Enoch's prophecy. First of all, judgment is personal. The Lord himself is going to come. Okay? It's going to be personal. The Lord himself is going to come. The early church would meet each other and they would say this, Maranatha. Hey, Maranatha, Brother Terry. And, and that just simply means the Lord cometh. They, they'd say, Maranatha. And they, you, you'll see things in the Baptist bookstore where you have a necklace that says Maranatha. That means the Lord's coming. And they would greet each other and they'd say, Maranatha, the Lord's coming. They, that was their greeting. That was also their death cry. When they would start to be thrown to lines in a coliseum, they would say, Maranatha, brothers and sisters, the Lord's coming. Then they'd be tossed to the lines. Greeting call. Greeting call. Death cry. So Jesus is coming. It's going to be personal. He spoke of his coming in John 14, 3. John 14, 3 says, If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He spoke of his coming in Acts 1, verse 11. Remember the angels? They said to the disciples, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that you've seen taken up from heaven is going to come in like manner. Angels spoke of his coming. Paul spoke of his coming. Philippians 3, verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. There's coming a time when these graves out here at the cemetery is going to open up. And those people that are believers are going to be raised from the dead at his coming. Jesus at the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, said, For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So guess what's going to happen? Jesus is coming. Mark it down. He's coming. His coming was the subject of Enoch and Jude 15 and 16, and his subject of his coming is also the subject of revelation of uh, of of John, John the Revelator in Revelation 22, verse 20. So it's going to be personal. Here's the point. Jesus is coming personally to judge the cosmetic Christian and the chief apostate among them, which is the Antichrist himself. He's coming. Jews said in verse 14, notice what he said. He said, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, they say, and, and used the word, Behold. You can underline that. That's a very important word. Jews said, Behold, the Lord comes. Behold literally means 
It means to stop. It means to put down whatever you're doing and pay real close attention. It's kind of like the same word that John the Baptist used in John 1, 29 when Jesus was being baptized. He said, behold, stop, look, pay real close attention to what's taking place right now. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Same word used. John the Baptist used it. Uh, John the Revelator used it, speaking about Jesus standing at the door. In Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, stop, pay attention, drop what you're doing, pay real close attention. I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. If any man hear my voice, I'll open the door, I'll come unto him and sit with him and he, he with me. So behold, and so behold, the point being, the Lord's coming. Personally, not Michael the archangel, not Moses the lawgiver, not Elijah the prophet. And so that's why Amos says in 4.12, he says, prepare to meet your God. So you have the cosmetic Christian be detected, cosmetic Christian be destroyed. Judgment is personal. Second point, the judgment is perfect. Verse 15 and following. You know, in our court system, sometimes we kind of mess up. You see on TV where they've committed someone uh, to, to prison and, and, and really they didn't commit the crime. They find out later that they were innocent. That's not going to happen on this judgment. It's not going to happen. Not so with Jesus. He, Jesus knows who's wearing the mask. Jesus knows who's fakes it. Jesus knows the cosmetic Christian. He knows the committed Christian. He knows the synthetic Christian, he knows the sincere Christian. Jesus knows. There won't be a jury, there won't be a prosecutor, there won't be a defense attorney. Every mouth is going to be silent. You're not going to give your own defense. You're just going to be real quiet and hope that it and pray that it turns out good. It's not going to turn out good. Now that's going to take place. No federal judge to overturn anything because you see his judgment is perfect. His judgment is personal. His judgment is perfect, and the verdict, the sentence, is found in Matthew 25, verse 1, when it just simply says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps, and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. And they go there, if you remember, they were not prepared to meet that bridegroom. They had having oil in their lamps, and they couldn't enter because they weren't prepared. And see, listen, friend, you have to have Jesus Christ in order to escape this coming judgment. That cosmetic Christian, they're going to be judged for their action. All this is in verse 15, what they've done. They're going to be judged because of their tongue, what they've said. They're going to be judged about how they grumbled and complained about the authority of the Word of God. They're going to be judged because they've been fault finders, verse 16 and 17. And there's only two destinations. There's a place called heaven. There's a place called hell. And so an apostate, cosmetic Christian, one who's known the word but turns from the word, will receive the severest punishment in hell. Because you know why? They've known the truth. They've rejected it. And they'll be eternally doomed. Although a cosmetic Christian tries hard, to disguise themselves, they're easily detected. According to Jude, hidden reefs, clouds without rain, 
trees without fruit, raging waves, wandering stars. So be on the lookout for what Jesus said to the churches. For those who want to destroy your fellowship, who promise much but have no substance, who never produce fruit, whose lives are filled with filth, who flash and they fade without direction. Behold, the Lord cometh, and they will experience God's judgment. That's our word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, we've covered a lot this morning, but Lord, it's very obvious in your word that cosmetic Christians who turn from your word who live apart from you and live apart from your word, trying to, trying to cover themselves, camouflage themselves, really are easy to detect. And Lord, you tell us the characteristics simply because we are to, to guard the word. We need to fight for the faith. You tell us that here in Jude, three, uh, third verse that we are to contend for the faith because we know we're going to have those in the fellowship from time to time, not only here but other places, who want to destroy the foundation of the Word of God. They're doing an inside job on fellowships, on churches. Thank you for warning us. Now I pray for every person here this morning. You know the hearts of everyone. Uh, Father, I pray for the person who has never trusted you, sincerely trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray today you've spoken to their heart. And I pray, Lord, today you have, your Holy Spirit has convicted of sin, has convicted of a, a need of a Savior, has pointed them to Jesus Christ as the only Savior who can forgive sin and give eternal life. And so today I pray for the person without Christ, Father, that they would come today, put their faith and trust in you and only you. Turn from their sin, turn to you. Accept your lordship over their life. Ask you to forgive them. Come into their life and save them. Be born of the Spirit, connected to the vine. Thank you for what you're going to do in our invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name.